Blog Talk Radio. without white folks, and be able to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Yimhotep, Etepu, Salbona, Abargani, Adamanesh, Adamana, Nangadef, Majro, Anisogoma, Peace, War, War. Hey, African greetings, family. This is your host, uh, hyped up Kamal McCasey Dehudi, and you've reached Africa's reascension. Hopefully, everyone is in good health. We shall start off our show as usual with an apae or libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirit forces, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. Argo, 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 Inyame, Inyamewa, Odumakuma, Mawulisi, Trigiapon, Olaru, Amenra, Dejiansa, Asasaya, Abasum, Abasum Po, Nana Sergibi, Nana Esekitiwa, Nandada Kofi, Nana Chigaray, Nana Chigaray, Nana Chigaray. And the Sankofa inside, and the Kumi inside, Kwekufri inside, Konari Abena inside, Asupontin inside, Ochoewa inside, Kaminsa inside, Mojuba Shango, Oya, Mojuba, Mojuba Oshu, Chihuti inside, Asar inside, Seknet inside, Nananom in Samantho inside, in Samantho Abasu Ofao inside, Abasu, Abasu Ofao. Yeshremo Yansa, Yeshremo Ahobin, Yeshremo Nchera, Yeshremo Sikabha, Yeshremo Nkwasu, Yeshremo Nkwasu Abasu Ofao, Yei Nkwasu. I ask that you, Odomakuman, Tridiapon, Inyame, Inyame Wa, Mawulisa, Olavrun, Amenra, Katwakata, use me and this form to transmit clear, African-centered theoretical and practical information so those listening can use it for their own transformation back into the sovereign Africans they once were. May I speak directly to their sumsu, their spirit, their ori, their spiritual head, and their ab, their heart, which for Kemet was the seat of intelligence. And may these words awaken the long, dormant, asleep, African inside. Madasipa, Madasibio, Mopiapo, Monekasa, 
What you just witnessed, the apai or libation, is an ancient practice that is still done to this nanosecond in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent. Past, present, and future become one, as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now, enjoying strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. There is a whole, whole lot on the docket tonight, <laughs> so I'm going to try to zoom through the rest of this stuff, the rest of this um, housekeeping stuff so we can get right into it. Um, African-based, African-age-based socialization is, um, this hopefully will be one of the most practical shows that we have done where we will be walking through where if you're a parent, where your child should be at what particular age. And also we need to look at possibly looking at these two models and figuring out how to tweak them for older folks. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, So your one-stop shop for everything that I'm doing, uh, blog talk, YouTube, my book, my news journal, AfricanWorldAnalysis.com. African with a K, world analysis, all one word, AfricanWorldAnalysis.com. It's like I say, it's got YouTube channel there, link back to the blog talk show, a link to my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, and the link to African World Analysis, my news journal. Uh, the next, the next one will be out in January. Uh, It will be our African identity issue. We've got some good pieces in there focusing on African identity, what it really is, uh, the components that make up identity, all that good old stuff. So this will be a very good journal. Uh, And for six bucks, you can't do this. Looking about 50-plus pages in this journal, so, yeah, it will be up online sometime in January. AfricanWorldAnalysis.com. Other good blog talk shows, Pan-Africanism or Paris by Taj Malik, T-A-J-M-A-L-I-K, Pan-Africanism or Paris by Taj Malik, Queen Ifama, I-F-A-M-A, The Truth Terrorist, Sundays um 7 p.m. right before... This show, African Free Ascension, uh, Raw Butt Naked Truth from a Good Sister, Queen Ifama, I-F-A-M-A, The Truth Terrorist, Sundays at 7. Ia Ajua, I-Y-A, A-D-J-U-A, and her show, Wahimi Masu, Cultural Rebirth Connections, Wednesdays on around 4 or 4.30 p.m. Ia Ajua, I-Y-A, A-D-J-U-A, J-U-A, with Hemi Masu, Cultural Rebirth Connection. Uh, also check out Jacques, Jacques Agboton, A-G-B-O-T-O-N, and his show, World Pan-African Voice, usually on Sundays at 1 p.m. Again, Jacques Agboton, A-G-B-O-T-O-N, World Pan-African Voice, 
Sundays at 1 p.m. And another good brother who's just finally gotten back onto the Blog Talks theme, uh, his name is Amachi, A-M-A-C-H-I, and, and, and I'm blanking on the title of this show. That's uh, Because um, it's not called Indigenous Knowledge Systems, which is his website, IKS Lessons. It's Because he's been off for a while. Oh, it is just Amachi. Okay. So, yeah, so type that into the search engine, Amachi, A-M-A-C-H-I. He's on Thursdays at 9 p.m. His last show was a very good show um, dealing with Who is Mommy Wata and the truth behind the lie, um, as well as some other stuff. His show is mainly a question and answer. Um, type show, but if you he is very very good at breaking down African traditional African spiritual concepts, de-linking them from all of the mystical crazy New Agey stuff that we're bombarded with. Um, he is a practitioner of the system, um, so yeah, you want to check his show out, um, brother Omachi A M A C H I. Thursdays, 9 p.m. Now, dealing with YouTube, and especially for this time of year, you want to check out, go to YouTube and type in C-A-M-A-R-A, Brother Kamara. Jeremiah Kamara, the brother who is um, the author of a few books, but the, I think his first one was Holy Lockdown, Black Church uh, Helping the Black Community or something like that. But he has put together 35 and counting um, YouTube videos called Slave Sermons. Of course, some are better than others, uh, but recently they, they've been getting even better. And he's just hitting on Christianity from a multitude of different areas, getting you to look critically at Christianity. Um, and, and and it's just phenomenal. <laughs> um, I, I check them out every time a new one comes out. Um, it seems like right now they come out about once a month. Um, and And... and so, yeah, if you type in at, at the YouTube search engine, Kamara, K-A-M-A-R-A, or if you type in um, Slave Sermons, um, you should be brought to his uh, channel. And, I mean, I have went through all 35, not in one city, of course, but <laughs> I did go through large chunks in one city. And and again, he's putting it down. And he he used to be an insider. I mean, I did the whole church thing for three years, but I think he was more about it, about it, right, about it. And then he had a transformation, and I stepped out of it. I I do not. This is just me talking. I do not think he's made the um, cross over to um, an African spiritual system. But if nothing else, his shows are vital to get you to look at Christianity in a different way. 
in a different light. And basically to show how it's debilitating for the African population. And so if you're not used to hearing cogent questioning of Christianity, you want to check him out. Again, he's on YouTube, C-A-M-A-R-A, that's his last name. Or just type in Slave Sermons, uh, 35 episodes, Magnificent presentation. I wish I had his library of put together videos. It's just magnificent. Uh, another update that I have to tell you all about. Um, on December 23rd and December 24th, at 9 p.m., right here at Africa's Reascension, we'll be playing, uh, we'll be having another lecture show. And this lecture show is possibly the most important lecture that I have ever heard, period. It's um, by Malithia Sante. It was done in 1999 called The Future of African Gods. I know last week I said I was going to do it on the 19th, tomorrow, uh, and I was thinking about even just put it off for the whole week, but I was like, that, that's a bit excess. So I will let it go on, on next Friday or this coming Friday and this coming Saturday. It's the same program both days. So, you know, if you heard it on Friday, you don't necessarily have to listen to a Saturday. We just want to help the numbers. That would be good. But the future of African gods. Malefe Asante, Dr. Malefe Asante has, um, uh, there's been a few things, few allegations put on him about doing this, about doing that, and, and Godfather, Jefferson Tristy, and all that sort of stuff. For me, myself, Kamal Mukesha Dehudi, this lecture that he gives, I give him amnesty on a whole bunch of stuff. Because I have not heard anyone with his name and and, and his, you know, exposure uh, talk so forthrightly about African spirituality and our African gods and all that sort of stuff to date. Maybe there's something out there I haven't come across. Um, I know Jenny Smalls did an excellent interview that I'm trying to... uh, uh, Transform over to put into MP3 format so I can get that show up for you guys. But this one by far uh, supersedes that one, and, and, and it is just the most straightforward. No punches pulled, no cut cards. Melissa Asante brings it. He brings it so much. I'm playing the same lecture two days in a row, and um, if we do a lecture, we will do a lecture breakdown like we did with Dr. Carruthers on it. I'm just trying to, trying to figure out how to do it because at least with the last one, there were a few things I was able to cut out to to be able to do a lecture analysis show. But with this, I'm finding it very hard to have anything to cut out. And so I'm still working on that. But so definitely tune in one of those days live if you can, and of course it'll be up um, to download archive at your leisure. But the 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 twenty third, this coming Friday and the twenty fourth, this coming Saturday, 
9 p.m. here at Africa's Reascension. We'll be playing a lecture by Melissa, Dr. Melissa Asante at Temple University called The Future of African Gods. You must, 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 that was five months, hear this lecture. And ideally, pay heed to this lecture. It's just phenomenal. I can't say more about it. Um, And plus, we got a whole bunch of other stuff that's going on that we got to get to tonight. But you want to hear that. And for that one, I'll probably go ahead and send out some emails to folks reminding them too. So, the future of African guys. December 23rd and 24th. It's the same lecture both days, um, 9 o'clock, right here at Africa's Reascension on Blog Talk. Um, quickly, I wanted to share an email that has come from uh, Brother Renoko Rashidi dealing with an update on Dr. Ben, and I'll just read it as it is. Uh, he says, Greetings, family. Yosef Ben-Yakanon's 94th birthday is fast approaching. As many of you know, Dr. Ben has spent many years researching, reading, and writing about the black man of the Nile and his family and the black woman. Um, Dr. Ben revealed so much, and for that we are indebted to him. Dr. Ben is very active mentally, however, his body is not the same. He was recently admitted to Harlem Hospital as a result of dehydration. He has since been moved into a nursing home facility until the paperwork for 24-hour home care service is finalized. In the meantime, he is eating to gain the much-needed strength that should be back home soon. To show your appreciation for what Dr. Ben has done, please consider sending a generous donation to help support his physical and medical needs and such basics as special bed coverings, laundry, detergents, wash clothes, food to eat, sustain his health. Um, a check should be made to Dr. Yosef Ben-Yakanon, Y-O-S-E-F-B-E-N-J-O-C-H-A-N-N-A-N, Yosef Ben-Yakanon. Uh, and the checks, Dr. Ben, care of Medina, M-E-D-I-M-A, P.O. Box 290, Bronx, New York, 10467-0290. Again, checks should be made payable to Dr. Yosef Benyakinan and mail the checks to Dr. Ben, care of Medina, M-E-D-I-N-A, P.O. Box 290, Bronx, New York, 10467-0290. Dr. Ben was definitely a giant in in my growth process in this. Uh, I'm sure most people who are listening and who will be listening, he was a uh, big part of your own. So please... uh, Take heed of what we just mentioned and 
do your part to try to help the brother out um, so you can be here uh, as many more years as as Odomakuman and Yame and Yamewa Treaty Pong, Amin Ra, have for him to be here. And lastly, with these um, beginning updates, I just want to say Madasi to Karast Unity Temple out in Los Angeles. Um, it's the, the, the Unity Center of African Spiritual Science. It seems like they are the ones that have been making the show, uh, Status of Being African, the conclusion go through the stratosphere and the atmosphere and just through the roof and with, with downloads. Uh, as well as they picked up um, a few more of my books um, to get it in their um, bookstore and library out there in Los Angeles. So I just want to publicly say, Madasi, uh, for all that you all that you all have been doing and, and doing it for many many years, and, and I've said this before and I say it again. When I was on the West Coast, you know, at least once a month, me and about seven to ten of us, you know pitch in, get a van or everybody hop in individual cars and we go up from San Diego to L.A. just so we could hit up um, Karaz Unity Center to uh, to just be able to be in that energy uh, to see uh, Brother Mary Kawa um, to deliver his African-based sermon or whether it was um, an ASCAC member who was coming through to speak, or for whatever reason, that's where I uh, got a chance to see quite a few folks up there. Obati Shaka. I think I saw Aikwara Ma up there, don't quote me on that one. Quite a few. But anyway, I just want to publicly acknowledge. Um, KRST, Karast, Unity Center of African Spiritual Science, for uh, them seeing some um, validity and, and, and worth in my works and, and what I'm doing and what's being put through me, through our ancestors, that they're seeing um, use of it all the way on the West Coast and they're supporting it. And and they're supporting it. So, and since I'm mentioning them, um, all of us should check some of them, check their stuff out there on UStream. And so, if you go to um, UStream, just U and then stream s t r e a m dot tv, and then if you type in K R S T Unity Caras Unity, um, their show page should come up. and then sit and they basically videotape their their um, services um, every Sunday. They used to also um, tape their, record their, um, they had a book discussion. They had a long book discussion on Yurugu. And that's where I first got wind of them using my book um, because, as you know, Mama Rimba's longest piece, in that book is on Christianity. And so one of their members came across my book, and then they used it. And so about this time, two years ago, some folks 
ordered quite a few copies, and they used it for um, the book discussion. And I guess it's still going on. Maybe it stopped and picked up again, and now two years later, someone else has picked up on it, which has then made um, more people pick it up and get it back into their library and in their bookstore out there. So, again, I just want to say Madassi, um Madassi, uh, for the shout-out, if you will, um, it's humbling for for someone of the stature of Mary Kyle um, and the Crass Unity Group to um, be using, you know, How to Make a Negro Christian and, and other blog talk shows to help move them forward. So I, I, I just say Madassi, I, I, I humble myself to this. And and I hope I can keep it up. I hope I continue to put out um, usable shows and worthy shows. And I apologize sometimes if I be cussing, <laughs> which may disqualify certain shows. I get hyped up here, um, but but it's very humbling to uh, have others see the value in, in the work that you're doing and then use it, and then get so other many people who are into it. Because I'm serious. That standards of being African, the conclusion, no other show comes close to that in the year and some change that I've been on. And it seems like it was from you guys downloading and using it. So just Madassi. Madassi to KRST, Craft Unity Center of African Spiritual Science. Check them out on Ustream. Just type in uh, KRST in the in their search engine on Ustream.tv and um, check out some of their videos and what they're doing. The particular sermon that they did today was very, very good. I have to watch that again because I had some very, very interesting stuff. Okay. So I went on long enough with the opening stuff. I'm going to shut up, play play a clip, and then play some new music that I've put in, and then we'll come back and get right into the show. African uh, African age-based socialization. You are listening to Kamal McCase Dehudi, the host of Africa's Reascension, and after this clip and music, thank you. We will be We'll be right back. Africa's reascension. Kamal McCasey Tahuti. As of this moment, we are at war. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamal three oh one. K A M A U three zero one. Seven six zero four five four one 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 seven six zero four five four one 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 one. When are we gonna, as African people, step up the dialogue? Sundays, nine p.m. Eastern. Because it's Black African Power. An uncompromising, unapologetic, African-centered internet radio show. Until we reestablish. Africa as the preeminent value, none of those other solutions mean a doggone thing. 
blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau301. K-A-M-A-U-301. If you're not about nation building, you're not about African centeredness. 760-454-1111. 760-454-1111. As of this moment, we are at war. There is no evidence that black and white races can live in close proximity to each other in peace. Without, without whites attempting to oppress and exterminate the black. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau301. K-A-M-A-U-301. What kind of God? Do you wish it? What's the name of it? Who taught you to praise him? Was this the God you were praying to before you were brought to these shores? Was this the religion you had before you were brought to these shores? Can you name one African God? Sundays, 9 p.m. Eastern. Blogtalkradio.com slash Kamau301. K-A-M-A-U-301. A lot of people think when they read the Bible that the same revelation that, that's written in the Bible is going to be their, their judgment in life. That Jesus is going to come and judge the world and you're going to get hemmed up with that. You better be good. A God of justice is not going to judge the slave the way they judge the slave after. You started out with nothing. Everything taken from you. You're a prisoner of war. You can go to God and say, God, I never even got a chance to know myself. How can I know you? God even knows that already. So the judgment is not on us. But what we do, we forgot about us. We forgot about our God. And what we do is we read the Bible and we say, wow, we're going to suffer the same fate as the Jews. No, you're not Jewish. If you ever want to escape Armageddon, read a different book.
Facebook is Reascension. This is your host, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti. Um, you heard our show promo, the longer version. Then you heard a nice clip from KRS One, the teacher of hip hop. And then that I dug into my deep, deep archives when I was back in Chicago in uh, 2000, 2002. Um, this was Basically, the CD that got me through. <laughs> that was two years. That was interesting, two years. But anyway, um, the name of the CD is called Karibu by master drummer Atiba Jolly. A-T-I-B-A um, Jolly, J-A-L-I. And I got a chance to meet him, a real good brother, real good brother out there in Chicago. Um, and so that particular show, that that particular song was called Amsha, A-M-S-H-A, and I think that's Swahili for Awaken, because that's what we need to do, Awaken, the African inside you. So Amsha, Awaken. Now, I have to get this in. It's not necessarily dealing with what we're talking about tonight, but I felt that it was dealing with the overall uh, one of the overall goals of Africa's reascension to um, to get folks um, looking at Africa a bit differently, stuff like that. So anyway, um, the title of it, it says Pharrell talks about why um, U.S. artists don't perform in Africa. But the person with the most cogent answer related to the question was not. And and I have my own little theory as why whoever put the article together chose to use Pharrell's name versus Nas. They, they don't even mention Nas. And I'm like, for me at least, Nas is more well-known. Nas is more of an OG to the game. Um, Pharrell may have more money because he's put more beats together for folks and charged a whole bunch, and so he's got, you know, all those millions or whatever. But as far as as a hip-hop artist who, who is basically a legend, you know, Nas will get that title. Uh, Pharrell can't rap to save his life. He can put great beats together. But, uh, but it seemed like there was a bit more drama and contention within the whole little seven-minute bit, and that's maybe why they chose to focus on the sensationalization piece. Maybe there was something with going, some tension going on between Pharrell and Sway. I don't know. That part we ain't going to listen to. I don't give a damn about that, actually. What I'm going to play now is what Nas had to say specifically about why um, hip-hop artists from the U.S. don't go over to Africa uh, and, and, and play and, and try to get that particular crowd. And what he says, I feel, was on point, it was honest, and it was direct uh, and, and and incisive. And it's short, and then we can get on to the main topic. But let's hear what Nas has to say about why um, stolen Africans in America don't go over to Africa to perform. You know what it is, you know, it's like the birthplace. When I, I've only been to Africa like uh, three times. I've been there once for my birthday, and I've been there like twice for like a corporate show, sort of like, sort of like what we're doing here today, and that's where I met you at. Let's go straight to it. 
people are scared. There's it's horror stories about Africa as that's out of this world. There's there's stories that you get on the plane, you get bit by a mosquito, you if you if you're driving down the street, you're gonna get there's horror stories that scared people from going to Africa before hip hop was around. And um when I finally got there, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, you never gonna have enough security, so I didn't bring much. I probably brought one person with me. And, you know, brought my jewelry. If they gonna take it, they gonna take it, you know. It's theirs anyway. So I went there and I figured out um, there's been a lot of lies told to American people about what's going on over there. And one thing about us, African-Americans and, and Africans, we don't communicate. We don't talk, we don't see a reason to talk, we don't, we don't even get along. There's a lot of Africans that don't like African-Americans at all. They look down on us, they got their own little racial names for us. You know, we've been pulled apart for years. So I, I mentioned a lot about Africa because, you know, when I grew up, I grew up in a time like of, uh, um, Bob Marley was saying a lot of stuff. I wanted to know why he was talking about Africa Unite, and I wanted to know what Roots was about. So out of my own curiosity, I just started to learn stuff, and at that time, the Father's Nation was on the rise. So I got some of those lessons, and um, I couldn't keep up with it, so I just kept growing and growing. And my name is uh, Arabic, uh, Egyptian, Nasir. So that already made me start to dig into where we come from and why we're in the position we're at. But to get back to your question, man, people scared. They're scared to go over there and uh, they have horror stories, man. And I think um, some, of that, some of those Africans need to make an effort to show us that when we come there, that we're going to be all right. And um, I've been in Nigeria and it almost made me cry to look at the conditions of most of the people there. And uh, there's no connection. No connection, and we got a lot of work to do. So it's beyond hip hop, you know. But I think hip hop is an answer to get us to start communicating and start rebuilding our long lost family between Africa and America. I think this is the beginning. If you get more people like yourself coming over here, and you get those brothers over there to realize when we're coming over here, we're making major moves. We're bringing serious artists to this, this place. We got to change it. We gotta change the way the conditions are in Africa. We got to. And um, hip hop artists, we can start by making, raising some voice, but Nas can't go to South Africa and get 100,000 people like Bono. There's a lot of, lot of story behind that to why he can and Nas can't. Well, Nas should be able to get 200,000 people to come out. Let me not shit on myself because maybe I can get 300,000. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet, but I'm gonna need y'all help. You know what I'm saying? I think we have to all take the responsibility to say and we want to make a difference. Let's not talk about it. Let's really be about it. Let's not only talk about it, but we got to be about it. So, again, for folks who just turned, tuned in, um, Nas and some other folks was asked um, why don't um, why don't hip-hop artists born in the U.S. go to Africa? What's what's up with that? And so, and there were a few people who responded, but with what Nas said, I think that was the most cogent and direct to the case. Uh, he just flat out said multiple times, folks are scared. 
Um, they've heard a lot of horror stories, and they fall for those horror stories, and they don't go to the continent to perform. Um, he also mentioned that um, um, there's got to be uh, folks don't talk enough. He, he, he shared the fact that he knows some continental Africans that just don't like us, um, obviously because of the lies that they've been told. And we can flip that, too. There's a whole bunch of knuckleheads over here that just don't like um, continental African people, again, from the lies that they have been told. And so we have to continue to increase the lines of communication, um, as we call them, uh, with stolen Africans in the diaspora and disrupted Africans on the continent. We have to increase those lines of communication. Um, Nas doesn't make any qualms about calling Africa home. And he made the statement, yeah, if somebody goes, yeah, I'm, I'm go, I'm went over there with my jewelry. Um, if they're going to steal it, they're going to steal it because, hell, it's theirs anyway. I.e., he's giving you a heads up that he knows that especially most of the gold and the diamonds and all that sort of stuff were originally came from Africa. And then it was manufactured and then De Beers profited off of it and gave it back to people. Uh, so, so Miles, for a lot of other confusion that he's done, um, he, he had, you know, the whole album titled The N-Word, uh, but then he followed that up and did an album with um, one of the Marleys called Distant Relatives with a nice and super embossed picture of Africa on the cover. I mean, so Nas, again, is one of those folks who, who at least, you know, when you see a little glimmer there, you should go ahead and, and, and give it its due because ain't too many folks even showing that damn glimmer in the hip-hop world. None in the rap world, but very few in the hip-hop world. So when I stumble across those few that are given that, then we give them a little bit of play. So, um, so yeah, I think Nas um, knows more and he lets on in certain aspects, and especially on just that particular panel, we wanted to keep it light and whatnot. But I thought those were very insightful responses that he gave. Want to share that with everyone? So if you want to hear the whole clip, again, just Google um, Pharrell in Africa, because for some reason Pharrell got the top billing and the person that put the article together. But, um, I think Nas's responses were more cogent and more in line with what we're talking about here at Africa's Reascension. Pharrell's comments seem to have been more uh, confusion-based. We're trying to get away from the damn confusion. African AIDS-based vocalization. Uh, coming from our show page tonight, we'll be referencing the African Personality in America, Chapter 5, by Dr. Kobe Cambon and Positive African Images for Children, put together by CB. Um, CB is the Council of Independent Black Institutions. Uh, so we'll be using those two books as we try to understand where our children should be in their reactionization process. Too many times I hear parents being willy-nilly as to how and when to teach their children their history. That can no longer happen. As especially as prisoners of war in New Europe. 
that's a term again that Mama Rimbani uses. America, she calls New Europe, which is pretty damn accurate, I would think. So the dungeon of America, or the dungeon of New Europe. <laughs> this show, however, is not only for parents, as even I don't have children yet. This show is for all Africans who want a systematized way of the socialization of our African reality. Hopefully this show will give folks tools to tweak these two models to fit older Africans into the mix, those who haven't heard about African-centered anything. So we have a model to check progression and regression and to fix the latter. So, first off, now, the, the book I mentioned from CB, Positive African Images for Children, that one will probably just be hard to get. It's definitely out of print, and once I saw it, I had to snag it and jump on it. So I, I doubt if you'd even be able to get this one. But I know you you can get, and you must, 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 must. Yes, that was five months ago. Get. Dr. Kobe Kembo's book, The African Personality in America. Um, you can, it, it, it should still be available at most of your um, black book stores. Uh, may, if you have to have to go to Amazon to get it, I think it is available there for a reasonable price. Um, I've read this book again early on in my development and uh, even did a, a a lecture on it by itself. This one book alone will catapult your understand not only your understanding of African identity, but if you use stuff in there, it should catapult your beingness into the African reality. The African Personality in America and African Center Framework by Kobe Cambon, K O B I K A M B O N. I sent Baba Kimball on a copy of the lecture that I did um, regarding his book, and, and, and he loved it, and he appreciated it. So then when I got a chance to see him at, at, at the um, ABSI conference earlier this year, you know, he still remembers me because I sent him, you know, the newsletters and stuff. And, and, and so he remembered me, and we chopped it up up there for a good two hours um, one of those days during that conference. So a very good brother, he's down in our FAMU. I think he's officially retired as far as from teaching, but, you know, he's definitely uh, formally teaching, but he's definitely still informally teaching and helping people get back to center research out, stuff like that. So you have to get this book. This is what, There's a whole bunch of, you know, um, books out there um, deal with African information. This is one of those must-have books, the African personality in America. Anybody that wants to question if we're still African, you you can give them this book. Anybody that wants to question what some of the rituals should be to reawaken our Africanness, get get this book. This is the book to use if you want to know how you can help re-Africanize your child or even recognize yourself, this is the book. I mean, there's, I could, one day we might just do a, well, we'd have to do multiple shows just on this book alone. 
But uh, today we'll just focus on Chapter 5. African personality in America, Dr. Kobe Cambone out of Florida, out of FAMU. Um, and this, is, this chapter is called African Personality Development, and the subtitle or the subsection is Development Issues for African Children. So now, I'm checking the time. I swear, where does the time go? Man. So, yes, yeah, so if we don't get through all of it today, because there will be overtime, uh, we'll probably continue it not next week or hell, or even the week after. It may be three weeks before we get back into it and finish it because, because um, yeah, we got to do a show. We, again, we may have uh, an analysis of the future of African gods next week, uh, or maybe I want to put together a special message for the Equinox, um, and then there may not be a show because I may be out of town the European New Year's, um, and so did immediately after that. So, yeah, again, if you click the follow button for Africa's Reascension, then you'll be kept abreast of all our shows when we don't do them and stuff like that, so. So, yes, we're reading from Chapter 5. 760-454-1111. 760-454-1111. That's our caller number. Okay. So, yeah, so we're coming from Chapter 5, a monster book. If you don't have it, go get it tomorrow. The African Personality in America by Kobe Cambon, K-O-B-I, last name, K-A-M-B-O-N. It is a fact that the world society of today is much more dangerous for the African child in general and for the African child in North America in particular than in the past. Most contemporary black African families in their vital socialization role of African children do not provide even the slightest consciousness emphasis related to African cultural reality nor the reality of white European supremacy domination of African people and the methods for surviving its lethal tentacles. Nor does the so-called black church or school formal education system provide such vital Afrocentric socialization and training. Contributing to this overall problem is the fact that African social cultural scientists have not yet developed Afrocentric parenting models or guidelines or prescriptions former African parents on how to raise African-centered children under traditions of white supremacy, cultural, and position of domination. Thus, our children are left virtually defenseless in the face of the inevitable and overwhelming anti-African confrontation that will characterize and dominate much of their lives under the current system of Eurasian world order. It is as if. It is as if the African family in North America in particular, through the process of racial integration and Eurocentric miseducation of African people, has lost its racial, cultural integrity, its racial, cultural memory, and therefore its racial, cultural consciousness. The fact that this cultural miseducation is rampant among African families because 
the fact is that, I'm sorry, cultural miseducation is rampant among African families because it is rampant throughout the African community. We are, as a community, virtually without any African-centered and African-controlled educational, economic, religious, or political institutions. And then as a caveat, the historically black colleges and universities are governed by the miseducated and the anti-African educational uh, model of the Eurocentric worldview, as are elementary and secondary educational systems in our communities. So he threw that in there real quick just to be like, because I, ha- I remember, <laughs> let me quickly say this. I remember um, I was doing an event up in San Diego City, and, you know, it was an outside event, and we were trying to, you know, recruit, get more folks to come to the um, ASU meetings. And and this one brother, you know, glibly, you know, just walked past. He was like, well, I got to join the ASU. I, I, I went to a, before I came here, I went to a historically black college. He was saying that as if he knew everything about the black experience because he went to HBCU. <laughs> and, you know, I just looked at him crazy and let him go on. But so many folks just think that most of the HBCUs have all the answers. And if you just go there, then you, you know, are somehow mystically or mysteriously better off than than um, black folks that go to um, historically Caucasoid. Colleges and universities. Uh, practically all of those that I'm aware of still get the majority of their funding from Caucasus. So they will only be in our interest so so far. And and you know so so the main point that Kobe is making is still on point. We virtually do not have any. African-centered and African-controlled educational, economic, religious, or political institutions. Now, we do have schools within CB, the uh, Council of Independent Black Institutions. Those are under our control. There are very, very few, but we at least do have some. And we do have um, quite a few um, spiritual organizations, so we do have some of those. But as far as... um, the economic and the political stuff, no, we don't have those. Um, and then and what we do have, they're not too many. Continuing, we're on page 107. Since education would, under normal conditions, constitute a critical seedbed for African recovery from the Maafa and our cultural redevelopment as a, as a diasporan African nation, then... Without African-controlled education, Africans are locked into a no-win situation relative to our psychological and cultural liberation from Eurocentric conceptual cultural imprisonment. We Africans must, therefore, develop African-centered socialization and educational models to propel the liberation and transformation processes required for African self-determination and affirmation that is African nation building and maintenance in the modern world. Afrocentric socialization and education, in my view, must be designed to define, cultivate, and reinforce 
African nation building and maintenance. In order to better appreciate how we must nurture and shape the Afrocentric personality that will have these liberating, self-affirming qualities, several critical aspects of African life in North America must be addressed and reconceptualized. First, how does the process of the Europeanization of African children occur? First, how does the process of the Europeanization of African children occur? Secondly, what constitutes the correct Africanization of our children? Secondly, what constitutes the correct Africanization of our children? Thirdly, how do we, the African community, actively carry out African-centered socialization and development for African children? Thirdly, how do we, the African community, actively carry out African-centered socialization and development for African children? These critical excuse me, these critical issues will be touched on in the chapter. And so and so he goes in and he walks through the basic personality of African children here in America. So he walks through, you know, of course we all know about the doll test and we know about different tests that folks have tried to um, put together to um, figure out where we are as as people. You know, you've got the cross model of nigrescence and you've got the uh, BITCH test, I think, by Williams that was done in the 70s. And, and I forget what those letters stand for right off the top of my head. But he briefly goes into that. And then on pages 112 and 113 and 114, he has the Eurocentric cultural indoctrination in African children. And so now, again, please hear this. Even though this is talking about children and the, the, the age sets that we'll be getting into, you know, are, are specific for certain ages, we need to hear the larger African community. So even though we say we're saying and using the term child and children, we also need to hear the term the larger African community. Because all of this that I'm about to read as far as how the child is indoctrinated falls also onto how the parent is indoctrinated and how our larger African community is being indoctrinated. And when we get to solutions or possible solutions on how to counter this Eurocentric indoctrination, again, for folks that have children or parents, uh, you know, you can figure out how to fit this information into your own um, child rearing um, or child raising rearing um, model. We also need to look at how can we tweak some of this so we can um, apply it to folks who fall out of the age range. Like I think it mainly only goes up to about 
24, 25, or something like that. Maybe just 18, I have to. In, in, in the CB book, it just goes up to, to 13 and a half, um, right before the of passage into manhood, womanhood. Um, but in this book, in, in Kobe Cambone's book, it goes up to, yeah, go, yeah this one goes up to 18. And so we need to figure out how to sweep this model for parents because if the child is getting a good African education at a school, but the parents aren't African-centered, that will either have to be a very special child with a very special mission that they must fulfill or all of that cute Afrocentric stuff that they're getting in school will be washed out based on what the parents will allow in that child's space and allow that child to do. So, so they're ha- that's why I fully understand that it's all about the kids. It's all about the kids. We got to teach the kids. I am I I 200% understand that. Semicolon. <laughs> we also have to have stuff to awaken and transform as best we can the parents of those children as well. Because if you don't have that two-pronged approach going, again, unless that is a very special child who was given a very special mission before he came, he or she came down in physical form, all of the best teaching in that school for those eight hours, ten hours, whatever the school has them, the African-centered school has them, will be washed the hell away by what the, 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 the parents allow in their space and then their and then their community of friends. Uh, and so we gotta have that two prong approach. Eurocentric cultural indoctrination of African children, page one twelve. The Europeanization of African children in North America is carried out not only through the formal and systematic process of cultural miseducation of the contemporary African family by the Eurocentric education system but also by every other major institutional system in American society. Now, some of this stuff just seems so sensible and logical, and why you even got to state it? But you got to state it because for too many of us, it's not that simple to understand. I, I, and I do know why, but it's just, it gets frustrating. Every other system, every other major institutional system, the Eurocentric African black church religious practices, and, of course, the omnipresent Eurocentric mass electronic or high-tech media system play a particularly powerful cultural indoctrinating role along with the American educational system. Virtually every media system in this country glorifies your sacred values, characteristics, rituals, and customs as dictated by the African world, excuse me, as dictated by the European worldview. Let me repeat that. Virtually every media system in this country glorifies your values, 
characteristics, rituals, and customs as dictated by the European worldview. Television and radio, videotapes, audio cassettes, CDs, books, magazines, newspapers, films, etc., all project content which serves this function. Literally all African children are impacted by the Eurocentric media and most African parents as well because they are not sufficiently prepared through African-centered cultural development and vocation to repel or reject it, nor are they trained to understand it and counteract it effectively. Neither are family home training nor are indigenous community-based systems of socialization, education, and indoctrination prepares us to effectively defend ourselves against the all-pervasive Eurocentric psychological assault on our minds. Hence, African children are bombarded with European role models or Europeanized African role models, some combination of Eurocentric physical, cognitive, and behavioral traits through their constant media exposure in their parents' anti-African slash Eurocentric self-preservation values and behaviors and in the anti-African slash Eurocentric values throughout virtually every aspect of their formal educational experience. Needless to say, this culturally oppressive condition of African child development, when combined with the other Eurocentric oppressive forces throughout the society, can be and often is devastating to most African children. The psychological profile of the so-called healthy African child or personality under Eurocentric socialization conditions can be organized around such basic Eurocentric dispositions as fragmented personal self-esteem, misdefined as independent of cultural self-esteem, which is probably, which will probably vary with one individual's circumstances. You also have low racial self-esteem, individualism, materialism, competitiveness, and aggression. Peace would also include a deeply rooted inferiority complex and compensatory behaviors of all kinds to mask such inferiority, insecurity, fear, and anxiety feelings. Intense intrapsychic conflict resulting from cultural misidentification as well as numerous other types of anti-African psychological expression. And when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about a coworker of mine, um, uh, a, a sister, but you can't tell her that. Uh, most recently, she went to the Renaissance Festival, the Europeans reenacting the Renaissance. A black woman went to that. And I'm just like, how psychologically beaten down as a black person must you be to go to something so devotedly European? 
But see, because if I was to go to that, I'm going to assess the behavior to record some stuff so I can talk back about it with y'all on, on how crazy it is and stuff like that. But if you don't know who the hell you are, so all of the people you identify with is white, all the ideas that you identify with is Caucasoid ideas, then you see no disconnect with you and the Renaissance Festival. And so that is just a, a tangible example of everything that I just read from Kobe Cambone. When you don't have all that other stuff to help defend you against this all-pervasive European hard and soft power cultural onslaught, you will misidentify yourself as one of them. Even though you can never be a Caucasian, you, you, you think you are. Or even if you don't think about identity and you just call yourself a human, by calling yourself a nebulous human, you're not identifying with yourself as an African. You're not studying and figuring out what that really means. You're not trying to make that tangible and real in your life. And so guess what? By labeling yourself a nebulous human, Caucasoids win because they still got you too detached from who you are as an African and making that real and tangible in your life. So they still win that way. We got to stop that, yeah. Almost all African children so victimized, however, will invariably possess a moderate to severe racial cultural inferiority complex, i.e. low racial cultural self-esteem, a moderate to strong materialistic orientation, competitiveness, and aggression, and almost without exception, a strong individualistic orientation. Hence, their perceptions and behaviors will manifest anti-African content and their manifestations will likely increase, excuse me, and these manifestations will likely increase as they grow older, as they are permitted to engage in more and more, quote-unquote, independent action. The Europeanized African child or personality is thus characterized by a weak African self-consciousness in their psychological infrastructure. Therefore, African nation building maintenance would be the very last item, if it exists at all, on the Europeanized African child's agenda because their lives have been thrust or organized around the prioritization of European nation building and maintenance. The ultimate outcome of or product, here it is, here it is, I don't want to mess this up. The ultimate outcome or product of Eurocentric socialization of African children can only consist of African self-destruction, which results from the prioritization of European nation-building maintenance throughout every important facet of their lives. This indeed constitutes a most dangerous condition for the African world. The ultimate outcome or product of Eurocentric socialization of African children can only consist of African self-destruction, which results 
from the prioritization of European nation-building maintenance throughout every important facet of their lives. Again, it sounds like it's common sense. It sounds like it shouldn't even need to be said, but it does need to be said. It obviously is not enough common sense. If all in your life is European faces, European ideas, European values, European culture, we would expect nothing else from you but a Europeanized African existence. We wouldn't expect nothing else from you. If you're going to complain about what's going on with the youth, with the children, with the parents, but yet you will not address that aspect that we just got finished reading, that practically every aspect of our lives is controlled, dominated, dictated, and defined by a different cultural reality. If you're not willing to address that, then you're just giving lip service to the problems. because all of those things have to change to create a different child, a different parent, a different community, so you can have the different results that you want. You will not get different results from the same Eurocentric values being taught to African children. You will not get different results from that. Painting up, painting up some of the values black Ain't going to work either. Wrapping them up in, in some kente cloth or some barlacafini mud cloth is not going to work. We have to be about total transformation of the values, of the culture, of the religious aspects, of the educational aspects and the content within those educational aspects to create different children and to create the different reality that we want. So we read all that just to set up what the problem is. So then we can then move into some possible aspects of transforming it. So on page 115, he talks about the Afrocentric personality development Developing and maintaining strong African self-consciousness in African children. And so he attempts to lay out some things to transform that. The African self-consciousness model of African child development, as we noted earlier, prioritizes African nation building and maintenance, which encompasses the practice of African cultural African cultural centered rituals. That is, rites of transformation that occur, in fact, throughout the life cycle as the key to strong African self consciousness development and maintenance. So then, what he does is he um, goes through some rituals or rites of transformation throughout the developmental lifespan of the African personality. Now, of course, he says these need to be surrounded 
um, by and or organize around a full-fledged cultural center community system, um, i.e. an ongoing broad agenda of African cultural center ritual cycles. And so, yeah, let me go through this. So at, so on page 117, he has um, table five, African center life cycle ritual. Initiation, Transformation, Rights, and Developmental Timetable. So the first one, the recognition of conception ceremonial right, three months pregnancy. It focuses on the recognition of the special gift, sacredness, and continuity of African life and anticipated responsibilities and obligations of the family slash community. It also focuses on the anticipation of the new life's potential critical participation in African nation building mission of the family slash community. I personally have um, partaken in about two or three of these um, birthing or conception rituals, if you will, uh, oh no way. I've partaken in the second one, not the first one. But basically, the first one is, well, maybe they're, they're, they're tied together. They're tied together. Because within the time, there's, you don't name the child until the eighth day that it was born. And you keep the child, you know, only the mother and the father sees it. Because on that eighth day, you then reveal the child to the world, and that's when you go through a ceremony. Child, um, the child's name is given to, it. because in the traditional setting, um, rituals are done, and, and 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 it's ascertained what the mission of that child is supposed to be, and so from that mission is deduced the name. For the child, so then the name will always remind and reconnect and re- help the child to remember what its divine and sacred mission is. And so that's part of the reason behind the naming ceremony. Which, let me go ahead and read this one too. The naming ceremonial rite shortly after birth to two years um, focuses on communal, family community recognition of the new member and African continuity through selection and conferring of a traditional African name and dedication of the newborn's life to the primary mission of African nation building and maintenance. And and, and also, yeah, what he just said, so I want to add that on to it. So not only you know, you do the ritual, you find out what the child's mission is, you give them a name that reminds them of the mission, but it also ties in the larger community to uh, give them responsibilities with the child, to be able to watch after the child, to help the child in any way that it needs to to fulfill its specific mission because ideally the child's specific mission will be in some way to help the larger community mission. Uh, and so it's up to that larger community to then do all that it can to bring out those gifts so then everyone benefits. Uh, and so, you know, within some of the ceremony, the naming ceremonies that I've been to, 
you know, you, you know, you go around and you say what you'll be able to do or hope to be able to do um, for the child to help help it, you know, fulfill its mission and stuff like that. So it's it's within the account system, you know, it's a sunrise ritual, and we, and y'all. May know me. <laughs> I'm not a morning person, so I got to love ya. <laughs> if I'm waking up before the sun <laughs> to, to, to do this ritual, but but the folks, the rituals that I have been to, you know, y'all, y'all folks know how I feel about y'all. That's why I was there for you, and and I do plan on fulfilling what I said I would fulfill for the truth. So, with all that said on the personal level, we got to have more of those. And did y'all catch two traditional African names? Because, again, us naming ourselves is highly important. The name reminds you of your mission. The name reminds you of what you are here to do in some aspect or the other. Um, Third, the childhood ceremonial rites from three to eight. Focuses on family community, um, convening on role expectations, responsibility, and obligations of the African child's participation in the family and community's mission of African nation building and maintenance. It emphasizes the sacredness of African life, African continuity and survival through ancestral communication, complementary female and male quality, and commitment to African-centered excellence in the development of Matian qualities in character, conduct relations, social relations, creative abilities, and skill development for African leadership. So somewhere around there, there should be a a, a rites or a ceremony um, for that child um, if they have been doing good in bringing those things to fruition around those particular ages. Now, the ones that we're probably most aware of um, over here is the Adolescence Passage Rite. Um, Thirteen to 17 years of age. Um, direct and passage, basically. Focuses on preparation for more substantive participation in African nation-building maintenance work through Afrocentric female and male adulthood roles and functions physically, mentally, and spiritually, within the African community through crystallizing, heightening communal expectations for his or her obligations and responsibilities to the African community. Now, he also adds in an adulthood initiation rite from about 18 to 20 to 39 years of age. This ritual would focus on recognizing young man and woman's new status within the African community. His or her communal obligation and responsibilities in African nation bed maintenance and the resources and reciprocations that accompany African adulthood. Preparation for Afrocentric Ma'atian adult life, um, selecting career, vocation, and other activities geared towards the fulfillment of African nation bed maintenance, preparation for marriage, um, and African families and parenting and the responsibility for mentoring, we now know that, that it would be conjugna or apprenticing 
um, younger members of the community. Then you have the um, middle age passage rate. That's from 40 to 59. Focuses on passage through um, the midpoint of life and the personal reflecting slash accounting for his or her after Senate Maati and practices in African nation and maintenance as witnessed by the community, elders, peers, family, and children, and taking on the critical responsibilities of leadership and apprenticing younger members of the community. Number seven, elevation to eldership initiation rights, 60 to 70-plus years of age. Focuses on the critical role of eldership in the African community and the special authority, privileges, obligations, and responsibilities that accompany it and the reciprocations incumbent on the distinguished process of African cultural continuity, such as providing leadership and wise counsel for the community and apprenticing younger members in the, in the community. It also focuses on personal preparation for ancestral status and Machian judgment. Again, we need to make a distinction between an older and an elder. You can give them both respect just because they've been on the planet longer than you, so we're not saying that. But someone that you should really, really, really listen to and someone that you should really, really, really be trying to pattern yourself after would be the elder, not the older. The older is someone who is just older than you, but their life really does not reflect something that you yourself want to reduplicate, yet you still give them the respect because they're older than you. An elder, an elder is someone who who is older than you, but whose life and experience um, warrants them a special status, if you will. They would get the, you, you want to sit at their feet. You want to pattern your life after them um, in the best way that you can. You want to... Um, you know, be, be 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 around them and just soak up their wisdom and stuff like that. Like Baba Hannibal was definitely um, he's an ancestor now, but he was definitely um, true to the term elder. Uh, he was far far more than just an older. He was an elder, um, and and so we got to be clear with that distinction. And then lastly, um, as far as rituals or ceremonies or passage rights that we should start developing or continue to develop or even expand because the only one that we really do that I know of more on a consistent basis is asking people here in New York is the rights of passage. I've even seen some Christians, some Afrocentric Christians, that's the oxymoron in terms, but anyway, try to um, create African-centered Christian rights of passage programs. So, again, you know, they're trying to hijack. <laughs> I, won't, I shouldn't say it that way, but I'm seeing a large number of groups of people see the need of getting folks at those key critical ages and giving them a special ceremony um, to acknowledge it so they can hopefully be a positive force within the African community. Uh, 
And then, like I say, I've also participated in some of those um, naming ceremonies with the children. But some of these other ones, like, you know, the, the, the adulthood, the middle pack, the middle middle age. I mean, I'm middle age. I would fit in that 40 to 59 age range. Um, I haven't had one of those yet, and I haven't seen any groups since doing them. But then the last one, the physical death, elevation to ancestralhood passage right. Um, well, let me just read it. This right may occur either as one ceremony, a two-stage ceremony, or as two separate ceremonies. It focuses on the communal celebration of the physical, spiritual life, Ma'atian legacy, of the departed in relation to African nation building maintenance, the interconnectedness of the community to the departed, the laying of the body of the deceased to rest, funeral, and the escorting of the deceased African spirit to the realm of the ancestors. Uh, again, with the Akan, within the Akan system, 40 to 42 days after an individual passes, you're supposed to have another ceremony for them. To it's a celebration of the spirit, and it's to um, spiritually help generate the energy to help propel uh, that deceased person onto the road of ancestorship. Because all people who um, pass, who make that transition, don't automatically become ancestors. Um, ancestor is again another is, is, a, is a high title with responsibilities that come after that. Um, we throw around the term ancestor, ancestor, ancestor. But again, if you go to my YouTube page, Africa's Reascension Channel YouTube, um, I, 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 I liked, I favored it. I'm sorry, uh, a nine-part lecture by Brother Fukiao, and I haven't heard an update on him, so I hope he's still doing fine. But he goes through um, the Congo, his understanding of the Congo system of what it takes to become an ancestor and what we have to do on this physical realm to help those who have recently transitioned become ancestors. And it's also a part of how they live on this particular plane. Um, And so I know, again, recently with uh, Baba Hannibal's passing, um, the Nation House people here, and as well as other community organizations that he was involved in, got together and had like the 40-day rights, basically. Um, and and I was there because I, I, I loved <laughs> about the animal, and, uh, and and it was just a, a great event, just a great event. And, and uh, I would like to assume that we did generate a nice amount of energy to help. Um, propel him to ancestor ancestor status because Baba Hannibal definitely deserves to be an ancestor. Um, and then um, we definitely, you know, they'll be able to call on him as as a larger community to get to get strength and guidance from him now from his ancestral position. Uh, but again, that particular type of ceremony needs to happen more often. I, I want to assume there was one for Dr. Clark when he passed. Um, I don't know if there was one for Dr. Angus Wilson when he passed. You know, but these life cycle rituals 
that we used to do all the time on the continent. Now we're over here. We uh, Our consciousness was lost of it, and now Robert Chambon is through his dutiful studies and work, and he's not the only one, but, you know, he's bringing it back to our memories, bringing it back to our consciousness, and then we can attempt to um, start redoing some of these because they're very, very important. So now, specifically for the child, I'm sorry, Blotrop is tripping, and they won't let me add other images, so I can only have that one image up, because I would have added this dual pathways to African personality development paradigm that's on page 123. It's a crucial, crucial diagram that... um, Again, it, it, it simply, in simple form, lays out how to create African children. Um, the top part of it, you have the African-centered space within family. You have the African-centered socialization process, which is which. Includes there we go African centered environment, the life cycle rituals that we just went through, presence of African cultural icons and African resolution rituals. If the child goes through all of those, and all of those things are set up with the child, they usually can end up with a strong African self consciousness, which would then be more to affirm Africa and it would help with their own ability to um, nation build and maintain a nation within an African worldview. However, if that child, if this African child is in a Eurocentric space and it goes through European, Eurocentric civilization processes, Eurocentric lifestyle rituals like the debutante crap, and the Greek crap, and um, they have uh, quite a few rites of passages and stuff like that within the European system. Um, annual Eurocentric culture rituals, like this one coming up now in the next next week, <laughs> this Xmas thing. Um, the presence of European cultural icons, you got white pictures of white folks all throughout your house and and or anti-African icons, that black child will have a weak African self-consciousness. And, and depending upon how much it is, it can be moderate to severe misorientation. Um, and they'll basically be living in a Eurocentric world, with a Eurocentric worldview. And so those socialization processes, especially early on in development, are key, are key to determining where the child will end up um, later on in life. So let's go through his breakdown is age set breakdowns. There will be overtime. We got twenty minutes left. I haven't even gotten into the C D book, which is the more and more detailed book. Because
because it's their social studies curriculum. And so this is ideally what most of the schools within the Council of Independent Black Institutions uh, all use to some degree or another to help with the African socialization of the children that come through their school. So after this is coming from page 122, after we... After we've provided the African child with the appropriate developmental foundation through developmentally structured arrangement of African cultural-centered rituals and an African-centered experiential developmental environment which cultivates and nurtures African African spirituality and consciousness, what kind of personality should we expect? Strong African self-consciousness in African children no doubt expresses itself in some interesting and different ways. For example, Afrocentric children at the younger age ranges, such as one to three and four to seven, should at least be developing or have developed a strong sense of their African racial identity and a positive valuation of it relative to non-Africans. In addition, now remember the age grades, one to three and four to seven. So basically one to seven. This is why they picked that phrase. Um, in addition, they should have a beginning or rudimentary sense of the central importance of African nation building maintenance and a developing, perhaps just simplistic, paradigm of understanding pro-African behavior and anti-African behavior, ethics, etc. In other words, they should, at, an early, at, early, at the early age ranges, be able to identify some objects and some activities that are good versus not good for African people. They should also have some elementary knowledge of African cultural practices, rituals, history, and creative production, such as art, poetry, prose, music, and song. So that's from ages one to seven. So, so, so again, these parents who are willy-nilly, you know, dealing with this Africa stuff with their children and and waiting until seven and eight and nine, you have already lost six critical developmental years. If you listen to the Urugu piece, the Urugu interview lecture that we did, um, she says the process starts probably as early as three and four, and probably even earlier than that because, you know, with the TV, they're watching images and the billboards and other stuff that they that the child sees. Even though they might not be able to process everything, just by seeing certain stuff, certain stuff gets into the psyche even at that early age. So we are the ones that have to be there at those early ages giving them this African stuff. We have to set up. That, that, that the African cultural armor on the child. Me and 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 too many damn people 
have had to awaken to this Africa stuff in college. Freshman year of college. Oh, wow. That's who Marcus Garvey is. Oh, wow. That's the Maroons that they were doing. Oh, wow. That's the Marlboro. All I heard about was Amistad. I'm now hearing about the Marlboro in college. Why am I just hearing about it in college? Oh, wow. That's who Amos Wilson is. I'm hearing about it in college. You see what We need quite a few more generations of children who are getting this early, at the beginning, when they're supposed to be getting it. Not, and then, because for every person that's like me who was able to get it in college and then take it and keep it and run with it and hopefully ideally expand on it, there were eight other folks who it conflicted too much with their other zero to 18 years of, of, of Eurocentric indoctrination. It conflicted with it too much, and they decided to leave off that African stuff because it didn't jive with what they had already been given from zero to 18. So for every one of me, there's about 10, 20, 30 folks who didn't make the, 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 the transformation back to the African people. And that's directly related to, more than likely, eight times out of ten, in fact, that they never heard any of this stuff from zero to 18 until they got to college. And most of the time, because their parents directly, I didn't heard it too many damn times. Oh, I don't teach that stuff to my child. I just want my child to be a child. That white man will eat your child, literally and figuratively. If we keep doing that, let me continue. As this knowledge, and this is on page 124, as this knowledge and conceptual psychological posture becomes more developed with age, older African children, such as now we're from 8 to 12, what they call pre-adolescents, should have developed a more assertive, self-affirming Ma'atian disposition reflecting a strong sense of collective African identity and be capable of early African self-fortification, self-preservation, and self-defense manifestations. Their destiny of African nation-building maintenance should also become crystallized. So from 8 to 12, he's breaking down where where some of the where the child should be mentally within their you know brain makeup uh, strong sense of collective African identity uh, they understand that we got to preserve ourselves we need to defend ourselves uh, maybe the child is already learning some um, some capoeira during that time uh, or, or or some kumagami and guni something like that. So adolescence from 13 to 18, still from 124, page 15, should be able to develop these African-centered psychological qualities even further to the point of being able to form and develop substantive action patterns reflective of rudimentary Afrocentric institution development like African culture-centered peer groups, programs, and activities. 
African history study groups in the school and neighborhood community areas of people activity and demonstrate a growing substantive sense of obligation and responsibility to the broader African community in nation building and maintenance. Substantive training in African manhood and womanhood roles and functions in African nation building maintenance characterizes this critical period of development. Thus, the Maatian qualities of Afrocentric social advocacy and social initiatives should become an integral part of the person's behavior repertoire during the adolescent period of development. Again, all of these Afrocentric personality attribute developments in African children preview other African-centered parenting, significant others, and community institutional support systems. Again, if it's just a child doing it within the African-centered school, but when they leave, the bell rings, that final bell rings, and they leave the school and they come home, and the home got Kennedy, Lincoln, um, Jim Brown, John Brown on the wall. All you watching is Discovery Channel, History Channel. All you got on the computer is is, is um, New Age this and, and Indigo Child that and all that sort of stuff. And then when they go to the library, you only, you know, or no, when they go to the museum, they only are going to see um, something about African animals or, 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 or European Renaissance figures. If, if all of that other stuff is there, it will counter what that child was learning in the school. Again, unless that child is a very special individual with a very specific mission that they were to fulfill, that they were given to fulfill when they came in from spirit form to human form. If they're not that, all that stuff outside of the school falls more in line with the Eurocentric reality, and it will counter all that they're learning in that African-based school. That's why... He keeps harping, and I keep re-harping on, it has to be the parents doing stuff. No, be more specific. The parents being in line with what the child is learning in the school. The parents are then around other people who are aligned with what the child is learning in school. And then you've got community institutions that, uh, are in line with what the child is learning in school. Or if you don't have those other institutions, let's say you just got to school, you know, take the child to um, African spiritual services, for lack of a better word, um, that may be going on. Uh, if you do take them to the museums, take them to see African art and be able to break it down and hopefully explain it to them, or maybe just getting some of the images in their head, depending upon how old they are you know, can spark some other stuff if you go with them that way. When you take them to the library, specifically look for books dealing with Africa and, of course, make it appropriate for their particular um, age. But um, you want to do that. I remember, I was, again, going back to Chicago, I was dating 
no, this is when I was in San Diego. I'm sorry. I was dating this one young lady, and, and you know, the light bulb, we were together, the light bulb clicked with her. It, it, it was already a glowing light bulb within her before I even knew her. And then we clicked. When we hooked up, you know, it, it seemed to turn on some more. I remember she came back from the library with, like, I think the maximum books you could check out at one time was 25. She had 25 books. <laughs> Struggling to bring them home for her babies. Maybe they were all the black books in that in that library of that particular age. But she made sure that she got age appropriate, um, culture appropriate books for her children. And again, like I say, I, I can't take full credit for um, what's going on in her life. Um, she was already along that path before we met. And then when we did meet, um, I think I can go ahead and say I helped catapult her to a whole other level. Um, and it was even I who gave her African name. Um, and now she's off to doing great, great things. But that specific moment just really stuck out to me that, She's struggling to get into the door because she just went and checked out all these books from the library so she could begin to socialize her children in an African way. And and all of us need to be doing that same, same thing. Oh, we got to get this. This is on page 126. Still, African personality in America. And I'm going to get this in in the, last, in the six minutes here. <laughs> the long-held and dominant idea in traditional circles of African parenting, victimized by white supremacy domination, has been that the truth will be too negative or too traumatic for the child to be taught because it might negatively arouse or provoke anger and hostility towards Europeans and direct their development towards vulnerability to suppression and or attack assaults by white supremacy forces. African parents must finally discard these kinds of notions as other white supremacy nonsense. African parents must finally discard these kinds of notions as utter white supremacy nonsense and start directly preparing our children to be knowledgeable of, to preserve, and effectively defend their African integrity through an impenetrable cultural self-fortification of strong African self-consciousness. The very nature of this long-standing socio-politically naive approach to African child-rearing actually warps and retards African children developmentally since they are invariably under constant, constant, constant white supremacy domination threats and are constantly exposed to white supremacy domination attacks by the very nature of their condition of racial, cultural oppression. In other words, they're living, the children, under 
white supremacy rule domination in American society and throughout the African world makes them vulnerable every second of the day, whether African parents prepare them or not. In other words, they're living under white supremacy rule domination in American society and throughout the African world makes them vulnerable every second of every day, whether African parents prepare them or not. Consequently, it is mere fantasy for African parents to think that there could be any consideration of a choice to prepare them or not to prepare them under our existing conditions. So if you've heard anybody say that sort of stuff, pass this show along to them, please, because it's doing a disservice to not teach the child what we should be teaching the child so they can be prepared against this damn onslaught that they're dealing with. We got two minutes left for everyone that's in the chat who's listening on other devices, uh, and then the live feed will cut off. We will go into overtime because after this short break, we will get into positive African images for children. This is the one that's more detailed and specific, and they have large groupings of things that should be done for specific age groups. So we're going to go in and read through those. And, and I'm going to try very hard to get through it all because, again, I don't see any time relatively soon where we will be able to do a part two on this. So um, with just about a minute left, we're going to go ahead and play the clothes, uh, play some music, play the drink of water, <laughs> And then we will come back after all of that and get into the specifics as laid out by CP. This is uh, Positive Action Images for Children, um, the CD Social Studies Curriculum, and they walk through some very specific stuff for um, pre-primary, From yeah, from ages two all the way up to thirteen, and like I said, I'm gonna try to read them all and get them into the record. Seven six zero four five four one 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 one. So if you're listening on the phone, you will be able to continue with the overtime. Um, if not, pick it up on the download. Thank you so much for all the support that everyone's been given. Um, send feedback, Kamal three hundred one, or leave uh, at Yahoo or just leave comments on the page. Uh, Bibi Fahodie, Total African Liberation. Yabedi Inconim, we will be victorious. Um, we will continue after this brief break. Africa's reassumption.
the system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control.
Okay, so we're back. <laughs> Africa's reascension. This is your host, Kamal Matej Tehuti. Uh We played our clothes, and then that was Madunda, Yay Luga, Yay Chu. That was also, again, from, I just like that. that. Madunda, Yay Luga, Yay. Okay. Uh, that is Rhythm is Our Language. That is, that's again from um, the Karibu CD by Master Drummer um, Atiba Jolly, right there who was out in Chicago some years ago. Um, so, yeah, and that's a, that, that, that song. Just, <laughs> I like that one. Okay. So, within, again, and I hate, I'm sorry that I'm reading from an out of print book that I don't even know how to suggest you get. But um, it's possible you may still be able to get it from one of the black bookstores. The ISBN on it is 09-32-415-482. It's a 7.95 paperback. Again, it's 09-32-415. Four eight two. Um, the title is Positive African Images for Children, and it's African with a K. Um, I, I haven't seen it on Amazon. I haven't seen it too many places. But if you can get a hold of this small yet powerful book, you want to do it. Because even though it's just like a social studies curriculum as it's laid out, again, if you have a child, a young child, you just gave birth, this book, if you use it properly, can walk you through how to make sure you are rearing that child in the best African way that you can. And so what they do is they have um, different levels. Um, Three levels within preschool, four within primary school, and four within middle school. And within each level, they have strands. The strands are family, community, nation, and race. And so there are line items within each strand, within each level, that the child should be able to uh, do and perform. And so level one is two to three and a half, then three to four and a half, then four to five and a half. Then primary school goes from five to six and a half, six to seven and a half, seven to eight and a half, and nine to nine and a half. And then middle school, nine to ten and a half, ten to eleven and a half, eleven to twelve and a half, and twelve to thirteen and a half. And so, again, within each one of those, there are then four strands, family, community, nation, and race. And so what I will try to do in this 50 minutes is hopefully just shut up and just read the stuff under each one. And and I guess if I'm so moved to add to or, or, or yeah, add to any of them, then I will. But it would be nice if I could at least just get the bare bones of it in within these few minutes here. So we're going to start level one, three pint pre-primary. So all that I'm about to read is from ages two to three and a half. The first strand's family, they have five points. So a child from two to three and a half should be able to identify family members, 
describe, number two, describe what each member does for the family. They should identify the family as African. They should be able to describe Umoja. Umoja is new. And five, to identify members of animal families to be able to know, you know the animals and stuff. Now, another great thing just about Nation House and Hobia just in general, um, but for this specifically, there are some folks, and I'm going to try to say this quick, there are some folks that want to use Kwanzaa as the totality of what it is to be African. And if we just live out those seven principles, we did. Nation House, and they, 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 uh, one of their members wrote, wrote a nice article on this. Kwanzaa is a beautiful stepping stone, but Kwanzaa is not the totality of African culture. If you just do and live out those principles, that's cool and that's fine, but it will only get you so far. Don't think that you can bypass a whole bunch of other stuff that needs to be done, lineage-based stuff, spiritual work, all that sort of stuff, just because you do all of the seven principles of one. And so they have, within this model, they have intertwined stuff within the Kwanzaa paradigm, if you will, into this larger paradigm. Ideally, to get folks to see, you know, this is Kamal speaking now, Ideally, get folks to see that just doing the Kwanzaa thing ain't enough. It's a good start. It's a good move in the right direction. But for folks who don't do nothing else African except December 26th or January 1st, you are shortchanging yourself. Okay. So in community, um, child from two to three and a half should be able to describe their neighbors Describe the neighbors. Identify students, teachers, and parents in the school to give the name of the school and one's own group. To describe what members of the school do and still to describe Umoja. So first they were looking at describing Umoja within the family context. Now they're looking to do it from within a community aspect. The third strand, nation ages two to three and a half, to recite the school pledges, to name the colors of the liberation flag, to sing three liberation songs, to identify pictures of African people in books and magazines, to identify freedom fighters from teacher-selected lists first here born in the United States, to recognize the shape of Africa, to use and respond to key Swahili greetings and directions, and to be able to identify Kwanzaa symbols. This, again, is just ages two to three and a half within this nation strand, this child should be able to do these things. So, again, it ties back to what we were saying, all the... Not only to learn the liberation song, you know, that it would help if the parents, parents or the larger community 
knew some to help teach those to the children. So then when they got back into the school, they could add to the base of the liberation songs that possibly the teacher would share. And, and, I mean, you know, you can hear, at least right now, I can hear all of the negative stuff. The child just learned um, the Kenyan freedom song, the Mau Mau freedom song, and they're practicing it while they're walking home, and they're practicing it in the house. And a parent who hadn't been um, properly doing the African stuff, I can, and, and, or, or their friends, who aren't in this African school, hear this child speaking in Kikuyu or, or hear the child speaking English but saying some liberation-minded stuff, I can hear all the stupid stuff that, that the parent and or their peer group would be countering that young child with. And a child is two to three and a half, again, unless it's a special child. I keep having to add that in there because there are certain children whose missions, no matter what happens to them, <laughs> they are destined to do certain things for the larger African community. It would be easier if the family and the community and the stuff was in line, but it might not be. But so unless they're a special, you know, type of child, they aren't going to want to learn the song. Or they ain't going to want to sing them out more publicly because they're going to get ridiculed and all that sort of stuff. So there has to be the community-based added piece to what the child may be learning in this African-based school or this African-based program. And last strand for race, under race for a child, two to three and a half, to identify African, to identify African objects and symbols from a teacher's selected list to identify continental freedom fighters from the list, to sing Nguza Saba songs, to sing Three Liberation songs, to identify black people as Africans, and to identify one country in each region of Africa. Again, this is just two to three and a half. So just can you already imagine, and I, oh, man, I'm talking too much, but can you just imagine this? is the setup for a child that is this young and they already are getting this, this in their head, rudimentary stuff, real simple stuff, but they're starting to get this in their head because they won't get it anywhere else. They'll get liberation songs from from Europe, but there'll be some of that we that some of the American stuff when they quote unquote broke off from Britain and all that sort of stuff. You know, we got liberation songs too. Um, let me shut up. Okay, level two. So now this is ages three to four and a half. Again, first strand family. So identify self and family members as African. To identify self as sister or brother to identify family members and describe their functions or roles, to describe how family works in Ujjava, in Emojis. How does the family work in Yemen? To describe the family in pictures, excuse me, to identify families in pictures of continental and traditional Africans, 
to draw a picture of the family. And lastly, to recognize animal families. For the community, for a child age three to four and a half, to describe the neighbors, to identify students, teachers, and parents in the school, to give names of the school, the one's own group, to give names of other groups in the school, to describe functions of school members, to give examples of how community needs are met, fire, floor, etc. To describe who GEMA, cooperative economics within the community. To name two African ethnic groups. And then lastly, to describe the function of community members in a traditional African setting. Now, under the strand of nation, for child three to four and a half, to recite the school pledges, to describe the liberation flag, Marcus Garvey, the contributions and the colors, to sing five liberation songs, to identify pictures of Africans in magazines, to identify freedom fighters born in the U.S. from a teacher-selected list, and tell about each. So when you were younger, you just have to you just had to um, identify. Now you're a little bit older. You got to tell a little bit something about that particular freedom. Um, next, to recognize the shape of Africa on a world map and a globe. To identify blacks as Africans. To use and respond to to use and respond to key Swahili greetings and directions. So beforehand, you just had to, you know, respond to them. Now, you're three or four and a half, you're expected to be able to use some as well. To identify forms of symbols and to name birth dates as holidays, to, like Malcolm, Malcolm X birthday um, as holiday, uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Kwame Nkrumah, other folks. And maybe they just mean every mistake. Well, they don't say. But, yeah, to name birthdays and holidays, like Malcolm X, Garvey, and other stuff. And then lastly, under race, to recognize Africa on the world map of globe, to identify African continental freedom fighters from a selected list and tell something about each, to identify one, con- one country in each region of Africa, to identify African objects and symbols from a selected list, to draw a picture of African people, to identify black people as African, to recite the Nguza Saba, and to name freedom fighters no longer living as ancestors. So you, you had started getting them to identify freedom fighters over here and on the continent, and then they were telling about, you know, a little bit of something on on each of them. And so now you're getting them to understand that they're ancestors. You might not break down all the details of what ancestors is, but you at least are giving them that verbiage. So you are naming, they, they, they will name these freedom fighters who are no longer living as ancestors. So... Ancestor Omawali, Ancestor Malcolm X, Ancestor Marcus Garvey, Ancestor Michael. 
Next one, from ages four to five and a half, the first strand, family. So identify self and family members as African. So identify self as brother or sister. Um, next, to describe the role or function of each family member. To describe how Umoja works in the family. Next, to describe how Ujima works in the family. Next, to describe how Ujima works in the family. And then next, to describe Imani. You see, you're working on slowly through the, 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 the Kwanzaa principles. And again, this is four, five and a half. Next, to draw a picture of the family. Next. To identify families in pictures of continental Africans within a traditional setting and describe the functions or the roles, um, giving, you know, the appropriate visual aids, like a picture of a Maasai. Uh, and some of the questions would be, what do the mamas do, what do the babas do, etc. So you, you, you provide them with pictures of Africans within a traditional setting. And then you walk through and you let them know this is how uh, the mamas behave, this is how the babas dress or behave. This is um, an inyanga, one of the healers of the communities. This is what they might look like. This is what they do. You start giving them those ideas and just, you know, showing them pictures and telling them little bits of stuff like that so they can, again, have the visual, begin to identify and see it. Next, to identify pictures of freedom fighters and their family. So, again, beforehand you were just dealing with them as individuals, freedom fighters individuals. Now you, if you can, if the pictures and access and stuff allow, you want to add the, their own family context within the development. And then lastly, you want to pick the, 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 the child between four to five and a half to identify animal families. Within the community, within the community strands, one, they should be able to describe the people in the neighborhood, um, give examples of how community needs are met. Next, to draw a picture of the street on which one lives. Next, to draw a picture of one's school and the street on which it is located. Next, to give the name of one own, of, of their own group, to give names of one's own group, and other groups in the school. I am an African. There are Caucasoids. Now that that'll be my child. There are Europeans. <laughs> there are Europeans, and there are Asians, and there are you know, Hispanics. And, you know, but the, the child at four to five and a half should be able to make those distinctions and clarifications. Next, to describe the function and role of each school member. Next, to describe Umoja, Ujima, and Ujima. And then lastly, to describe the function of community members given a picture or a story of a traditional setting. Within nation, um, to recite school pledges. <clears throat> Next, to sing seven liberation songs. Now, I'm sorry. I don't even know seven. <laughs> and I'm in my 40s. I don't even know seven, but from four to five and a half, they should know seven liberation songs. <laughs> okay. Um, next, to describe the liberation flag, our flag, Mark's 
to next to name Africa as the home of all Africans born in the United States. You're doing that at four to five and a half, y'all. Africa is the home of all Africans born in the United States. If we just did that one damn little piece, so much of the confusion that we are going through right now would not exist if that one little piece was done from four to five and a half. To name Africa as the home of all African people born in the United States. Next, to identify freedom fighters born in the U.S. from a list and tell about each. To recognize the shape of Africa on the world map and globe. To identify blacks as Africans. To use and respond to key Swahili greetings and direction. To identify Kwanzaa symbols and to name birth dates as holidays. Um, and under race to identify Africa on the globe, to recognize Africa on the world map or globe, to identify continents of freedom fighters from a list and tell about each, to identify three countries in each region of Africa, northeast, southwest. Um, no one leave out central. So, yeah, so you see this, the steady progression, the steady progression. Four. To identify African objects and symbols from a list, um, to draw a picture of African people, to identify black people as Africans, to recite the Nguza Sapa, to describe, now, check this out. This is in the race strand from four to five and a half. To describe how Africans were brought to America. I, I, I hope, again, like I just said earlier, I hope those who are listening now who will listen, if some of these things were in place at, at what we're going to deem the proper time in that child's development, I hope then you're able to see how, if it was in place, how some of the confusion and how some of the stupidity that we now exhibit would not be there because the proper things would have taken place. And I hope you're also seeing why some of these things are deliberately not being put in place so that the confusion can be there so that other folks can benefit from it. And so then you should see how to counter. So at four to five and a half, the CD folks feel that the child should at least have a rudimentary Ability to describe how Africans were brought to America. And then lastly, to describe how freedom fighters and relatives, and relatives now, no longer living, to describe them as as ancestors. So before it was just the freedom fighters. Now you're bringing in some of the relatives and you get them to understand that they are um, ancestors. Okay, so now we're getting to some heavier stuff there. We got 30 minutes, so again, I'm going to try to filter that. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay, so age five to six and a half. This is a big age. 
if if the amount of stuff that's under each one is indi- any indication, they see this as a big age where stuff, a lot of stuff. We're talking 13 points under family, 17 points under community, 10 under nation, and 16 under race for ages 5 to 6 and a half. So that seems to be like a very, very important um, developmental age for the children. So let me try to get through all this. First, to name and draw pictures of everyone who lives in one's house. Next, to state one's first and last name, their meaning and why they were given. Next, to state one's age, sex, birth date, address, and phone number. I can't add nothing else. I need to read this up. <laughs> I'm fighting. Okay, next. The state ones age this year, last year, and next year. Now I am five. I used to be four, and I will be six. To state next. To state and illustrate what the members of one's family do in the home. Next. To state the age of the immediate family members. Next, to describe what each person in one house does all day. Next, check this out. From one's own family experience, the child can answer the following questions. When and from whom do you get your food? Why aren't you naked outdoors in the middle of winter? Who provides what you need to keep warm? Who puts you in the school and why? What happens if you get hurt outside playing and someone fights you and you get hurt? What do you do with your family that makes you happy? What do you do with other people in your family that makes you happy? What have you learned about African people from your family? And and all of these, for example, you know, some of these celebrations, entertainment, um, symbols in the home, discussions, et cetera. Who would you like to be like? Why? How can being like that person help African people? Next, from the responses to the above questions, the child can infer the seven criteria for the family. Next, they should be able from five, six and a half, to be able to make a flow chart of one's daily routine at home. Next, to dramatize a critical and exciting historical segment of an African person's life. Let's see, again, with this one, you're, you're using uh, totally different, different parts of the brain and totally different um, way, methodologies of learning to get the child involved within um, African knowledge. They're dramatizing a historical segment that they've learned. Um, so they can act out slavery, they can do a book, you know, let the, they'll come up with it. And another thing about the Sankofa Journal that they put out, um, that, 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 that Nation House and the Encobia Society puts out, is that they have their, their Sankofa Journal, which is for the adults. And they sometimes 
will either A, have younger adults submit drawings or poems or stuff in that for us, or I've even seen where they even have their own little smaller journal, which are then, again, thoughts and poems and drawings, all from, you know, folks up to about age 13 within this this nation um, house on Kobe Society community. And so I remember, you know, looking at one, and, and, and again, I just, I was just highly impressed um, with some of the thoughts and drawings and ideas that were coming from um, the youth. It, it, it's letting me know that even though the, the majority of the younger knuckleheads are knuckleheads, that there are still people who are, are, are rearing their children properly. And so we do have some good continued freedom fighters coming up behind us. Um, definitely not enough, but it's good to know that there are some that are out there who are dedicated to continuing this fight. Next, to distinguish between correct and incorrect behavior within the family. Some examples of areas of social behavior which can be focused on are greeting, greeting to adults and peers, table manners, self-discipline, personal hygiene, working together, goals, and directions. And then lastly, under family, um, after hearing the story of a family, to infer and state what functions of the family are being fulfilled and to judge the extent to which those functions are being fulfilled by using the individual family scale. So basically, a member of the family goes through a story talking about, you know, another family, a fictional family, or maybe a real family, and then uh, the functions and all that sort of stuff. And so this child from five to six and a half should be able to, you know, infer within that story what is being done and what isn't being done, and then even possibly provide ways that those things can be done. This one is engaging this child at five to six and a half in critical thinking skills. Not sitting down and reciting and memorizing all the words to the next Nicki Minaj, Little Wayne song. No. This is critical thinking improvement, critical thinking involvement of the child. Under community. Name one school and state why one is enrolled in an independent African school. Also to state how long one has been enrolled in that school. Next, to name five friends and describe what makes them friends. Next, to name five things one does with friends. Next, to distinguish between what friends do together and what they do not do together. Next, to explain and give examples of the political relationship of brother and sister. Next, to name three adults in one's community, not the school or family. So now they're looking at the wide of the community. To name three of them who they like, 
detail why they like them and describe what they do in the community. Next, to define and distinguish between a good and a service and give five examples of each. Next, to locate goods and services in the neighborhood. Next, to name three Africans who produce goods and services in one's community. That one, depending on where you live, could be a disheartening experience. Uh, Next, given the story of the national or pan-African historical figure, to infer what role the community played in shaping his or her personality. Okay, so you give. Okay, so you give the child the story of a national or pan-African historical figure. And then the child is supposed to attempt to put together how the community helped shape that person to be who they were. Next, to name three ways the community helped to shape three national and international figures. So three national and three international figures, how the community helped shape them. Next, to describe the community as a collection of families. To describe the community as a collection of families. That's a good one. Next, to describe how we take care of each other in the classroom. Next, to the, to make a flow chart of one's daily routine at school. Next, to describe examples of different points of view as in one example they give is given in the book Why Mosquitoes Buzz in People's Ears and to apply the concept to real community situations. Now, this one I really, really like. I mean, I haven't read that book, Why the Skills and Those People's Here, but the aspect of different points of view. Because when, when we give, when we talk about, you know, um, homeschooling, when we talk about and or um, African-centered education, a lot of folks tend to think that the child will not be properly socialized because that's all the information that they're getting and that's all that they're interacting with and all that sort of stuff. And so this particular line item is key because I guess in this book, it's, it's um, I guess, again, this is just me guessing since I haven't read this book. I guess the mosquito is buzzing in different people's ears and different people react to it differently and give different points of view on it. And so they want the child, if that's true, they want the child then to be able to look at those examples, look at these different points of view, all reacting from the same stimulus point, but you're getting different reactions to that stimulus point. So this is, again, helping their critical thinking aspect. It's been getting them to see that there are different points of view, and then they say to apply this concept to a real community situation. So, again, if there was something that was going on and and you've got three folks who saw it and each one happened to see it differently, (laughs) you know, now the child at five or six and a half gets exposed to these different world views, and they know that not everyone thinks like them and mommy and daddy. And now they can be able to, you know, um, try to make sense of 
how how other people come to think differently and what other factors are in to make people think one way than another way, stuff like that. So this one is just real intriguing, um, again, to get them out of that, that in some instances may be true, but in other instances, fallacious bubble that some folks feel that folks that go to African-centered schools may be, may be brought up in. And, and, and I just think it's funny that that's even an argument in the first place because nobody talks about the freaking European bubble <laughs> that we're all, that most of all of us are in. But once you try to get out of that bubble and put yourself into a real reality with your own school, then it becomes, oh, you're putting yourself in a closed-off bubble of social situation, blah, 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 blah. You don't question the stupidity that's going on. You question the proper reaction to the stupidity, which is stupid. Anyway, <laughs> to, uh, next, to identify north, east, south, and west in the community. And then lastly, to identify what is north of a given point, south of a given point, east of a given point, and west of a given point. Nation. Uh, this, we're still in five to six and a half. We're not going to get too long. Uh, I mean, the whole thing. Nation, to recite the school and CD pledge and explain in simple terms their meanings. Next, to identify the shape of the United States on the map and the globe. Next, to identify the United States as the nation in which one lives. Now, let me stop right there. I, I, I just love that. I don't know if y'all caught that. From two up until five, the first thing you're supposed to get to describe and understand and break down and maybe even draw is Africa. That was first. Then when you hit five, six and a half, now you got to be able to identify the United States on the map. You get home down first and you get your new captive location down second. I really like that. And that, that seems like such a small and simple thing, but again, the culture, in the socialization process, that can go a long, long way. Getting the child to identify, understand, and relate to Africa and the shape of Africa and, and, and identify some spots in Africa first. And then as they continue to progress and grow and stuff, then they start making their connections to the newly um, relocated place that we are in now, New York, or the United States. Next, to describe the ways in which the family helped shape three national figures, such as Malcolm X, for example. Um, next, to label north, south, east, and west on the U.S. map. Next, to describe rituals in the school. Next, to explain what a pledge is. So beforehand, you know, they're just supposed to do the pledges and say the pledges and you're happy that they memorized it and understood it. Now at age five, six and a half, what is a pledge? Explain what a pledge is. Next, to... Define what a flag is a symbol of. 
So, again, beforehand, they were identifying the liberation flag. They were breaking down the colors and who created and all that. Now, again, this critical thinking. What is a flag a symbol of? They, they, they should be able to, at some point within that time frame, be able to break that down. Next, to identify the red, the black, and the green flag as a symbol of unity for African people and also to explain the meaning of its colors. And then lastly, under nation, for five to six and a half, to name Marcus Garvey as the designer and the creator of the liberation flag. Then under race, for five to six and a half, critical age. To identify oneself as an African person. To identify Africa as the traditional home of all African people. To identify the shape of Africa on the map of globe. To use a timeline to identify today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Next, to distinguish an African person both from a European and from an Asian. To, next, to identify on a mapping globe that the earth is covered by land and water. Next, to identify and name the four major oceans of the world. Next, to identify the continents of the world by shape. And here you can go ahead, they say, and identify Europe and Asia as Eurasia because Europe proper is not a continent. <laughs> It's really not a continent, but if they, you know, latch it on with Asia, then technically that would be um, a continent. And then, so in doing it, do it that way. Next, to identify which group of people traditionally come from which continent. Again, if some of this was done early on, like it's supposed to be, the confusion that we're going through now would the hell not be there. This is five to six and a half, y'all, and the child should already be able to identify which group of people traditionally come from which continent. Population should deliberately and constantly pushing confusion about that one issue. But here we're supposed to get down by five, six and a half. Next, given samples of food, clothing, music, or dance from Africa, Asia, and European countries to identify from which culture each is taken from. So see, that's cool. They're getting exposure to a different foods, clothing, music, and or dance of the other uh, major cultural groups as well as their own, African, and then being able to see and, and, and tell which culture all that's coming from. This, 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 Muju um, Gaitan dish comes from Asia. This um, Sambusa dish comes from Africa. Um, and this blood pudding <laughs> this comes from you. Uh, and so five to six and a half, again, this. Next, to classify pictures, including one of self, of African and non-African people. Next, to 
identify itself as a member of the African race. Next, given the story of a Pan-African historical personality to infer what functions the family played in shaping their personality. Next, to name the ways the family helped shape three Pan-African historical figures. Next, to describe how a traditional African community protected its members, five, six and a half, already talking about protection. And then next, to locate Northeast, South, and West on a world map. Okay, we can at least get up to age seven, because this is, what, six or seven and a half. Six or seven and a half family. To recite the seven criteria for family. And and just to make sure. <laughs> Maybe there's something else that I'm missing, but I'm thinking the criteria. Well, they say at least for evaluating leadership in the family is vision, administrative skills, inspirational flexibility, humility, consistency organizational-based, traditional ideas, correctness of ideas, and courageousness. I don't know if that's what they meant by the seven criteria for family because that's actually 10. Or maybe this is the criteria for evaluating family. Okay, that was leadership. Provides for physical protection, for physical development, Mental stability development, emotional stability development, spiritual development, political development, and social development. So maybe those are the seven that the child is supposed to recite. Next, to identify the relationship of mother, father, parent, sister, brother, uncle, aunt, grandparents, and cousins. Initially, the first cousin. So at least identify those relationships. Next, to draw those relationships on a family genealogy tree. Next, to name one's own family members within all those relationships. Next, to describe or represent in pictures or drawings other African family relationships, matrilineal, patrilineal, stuff like that. Next, to identify the geographical boundaries of the traditional nation under study and to identify in which region of the continent it is found. So you, I guess you're supposed to give them a particular um, nation to look at and to uh, dig into, and they talk about the boundary, the geographical boundaries and identify if it's in northeast, southwest, or central. Next, to describe and evaluate how that family structure fulfills the seven criteria for family, Next, to describe the role the family played in shaping the leadership qualities of um, Nzinga and Malcolm X. Those are just examples. But, again, you're supposed to do the role of how family shapes some of our um, liberation freedom fighters. Um, next, to compare how two African families within the United States fulfill the seven criteria for family. 
Next, to list the responsibilities when carries out in the home. Next, to name and describe the vocation one wishes to pursue and how that vocation can help African people. This is six to seven and a half. You already, they're getting them already thinking about how to do that. And then lastly, to make a flow chart, flow chart of one's daily activities at home, such as um, how to tie a shoe, how to button a shirt, how to brush one's teeth, et cetera, their daily activities. Get this in. Community. To define and describe a community, giving examples of the criteria for community. Uh, next, to identify the city and state in which one lives on a U.S. map. Next, given the story of a traditional Kikuyu community to infer the seven criteria for community. So I guess you pick up Jamal Kenyatta's book, um, Facing Mount Kenya. This is one example, but you, you share some of how their community life is going, and then the child should be able to then infer based on the um, seven criteria of community, which is further, which was back in the book. Provides for physical security, equitably provide and distribute to all its members goods and services, clothing, food, housing, energy, health services, etc. Maintain a system of government which is representative of its people. Maintain institution of law and justice that is equally applied and promote a sense of unity wherein its values and traditions are maintained and reinforced. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of work to do on the community level if we don't get it to that particular point. To define goods and services and give examples of each, to locate the goods and services in one's community and neighborhood, to compare the spectrum and quality of goods in one's community with those in other ethnic communities. So they get to see how in, in, in certain areas in the black community it's all beat up and run down with trash everywhere, and you take them out to the burbs and the white folks and, and, and you would you can damn near eat off the streets, you know, stuff like that. Or maybe it's not that glaringly bad, but at age six to seven and a half, they are at least able to make that type of analysis because you take them to some of these different communities and just look around and make those observations and stuff like that. Uh, to distinguish the cultural nature of the kinds of goods or services in one's community from the cultural nature of goods and services in other ethnic communities in one city or town. Why is it that when you go to some of the Caucasoid communities, they don't even sell 40 ounces. They don't even sell single cigars <laughs> and single cigarettes. They don't sell certain products in the white community that you can find in overabundance in the black community. And so you want the child to be able to hopefully, from six or seven and a half, be able to see some of these differentiations. Um, if they have to eat a McDonald's, 
how come the service and the quality of the food, you know, com- comparatively speaking, is better in some of these white neighborhoods than it is in some of the black neighborhoods? On and on and on, but you want them to be able to begin to make those beginning assessments early. Um, next, to identify who, what group of people, or what key individuals own and control, own or control the production of goods and the distribution of services in one's community. They should be able to get this or have rudimentary understanding of this from age six to seven and a half. Okay, I won't be able to finish. Um, click the follow button. I will definitely try to continue this because there's a lot more stuff to do. I just couldn't stop running my mouth. Um, thanks, everyone, for holding in. Next week, again, Friday and Saturday, you must find time to listen to The Future of African Gods. It will be on at 9 o'clock. It's a lecture done by Melissa Sante. And we will have a discussion on that probably that following Sunday. It's the same program, Friday and Saturday. So if you miss it on on two days before Kwanzaa, you, three days before Kwanzaa, you can check it out two days before Kwanzaa. Uh, the twenty the twenty third and the twenty fourth. Uh, and since it's only the equinox next Sunday, there will be a show next Sunday. I just haven't figured out if I want to do it on the lecture or if I want to have a special particular message for that time frame. So just keep following me. Keep hanging on. Um, I want to thank you all so much. Again, Abibi Fahodier, Total African Liberation. Uh, Check us out Friday and or Saturday. The Future of African Guys, Malafia Sunset. of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. <laughs>